Coming up on this week's episode of the Irreverent Nerds Podcast, Will and I review the 2008 DC animated movie Batman Gotham Knight. Stay tuned. More to come after this. I'm Richard. And I'm Will. And together we're... The, the Irreverent, Irreverent Nerds! Nerds. Bum, bum, bum. Hey nerds, Richard here, asking you to consider supporting this podcast. If you go to our website, anchor.fm forward slash irreverent nerd, right there on the top of the page is a support button. Click on that and then you can select the level at which you would like to support us. You can do 99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or even $9.99 a month. And as I've said before, if you agree to do $9.99 a month, Will will come to your house and give you a hug and a kiss. No, not really. Just kidding. <laughs> but you will definitely receive our gratitude. So, take a minute today to go on there and let us know that you love us. Because, you know, we're desperate for that. So, just let us know. <laughs> Thanks, nerds. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. Nerds. Nerds. We're here sitting on my couch. Couch. And Will and I have just finished our watch party for, I mean, it's just the two of us and my wife for a little bit and my youngest daughter who was just basically just playing. But So it was kind of a party. Uh, but we just watched the 2008 DC animated film Batman. Gotham Knight. And for those of you that aren't familiar with it, Will's going to give a little intro here to kind of let you know what we're talking about. Batman Gotham Knight. Um, I'm confused by the Japanese just, name. But just leave out the parentheses, I guess. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How about I wanted to say it? Okay. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, is a 2008 animated superhero anthology film. Yeah, I'm sure I would have butchered the Japanese. Batman Gasamo Naito. Something like that. That sounds right. <laughs> I'm not Japanese. As you, well, duh. Anyway, it feels sorry, right. It feels you. right, Brian. That's right. You. I interrupted you. It's a 2008 <laughs> animated superhero anthology film based on the DC comic superhero of the same name. The film consists of six segments produced by Japanese animation studios. Studios... Four Degrees Celsius, Madhouse, B-Train, and Production IG. In association with DC Comics and Warner Brothers Animation, set between Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, the segments in the film depict Batman battling against the mob of Gotham City, as well, the, as, well as other villains. Although stated to take place within the Dark Knight trilogy, the producers have acknowledged that the plot from the anthology is not necessarily integral to the main story told within the films. The shorts are written by Josh Olson, David S. Goyer, Brian Azzarello, Greg Rucka, Jordan Goldberg, and Alan Burnett. Although all use Japanese anime art styles, each segment has its own writing and artistic style similar to other DC Universe works and the Animatrix. However, some segments are connected, giving it the nickname The Batamatrix. Yeah, and this came out 
probably not too long after Animatrix, um, would have been maybe within a couple of years or so, in like mid to late 2000s, so. All six segments of the anthology film star Kevin Conroy reprising his voice role as Batman from the DC Animated Universe. Yeah, and as we go along, we're going to introduce each of the six segments and talk about them, so we'll we'll discuss like who directed each one and which studio produced each one. Um, I want to go through the, the voice acting cast here a little bit, because DC Animated Films, I have to say, always have good voice acting, and I think so much of that is attributed to Andrea Romano, going all the way back to Batman the Animated Series. You know, she has been the casting director for so much of the DC Animated Universe, and continues to be, and in fact, in this film, she even uh, voiced a couple of characters. Oh, cool. Um, I'm not sure which two. I think it was one one in, in uh, two different vignettes. But the... Um, the cast here includes Kevin Conroy, Crystal Scales appears in vignette number one, Alana Ubach in number one, Corey Padnos in number one, Scott Menville in both one and two, George Newburn in one and three through five, Hinden Walk in number one and numbers five through six, Jason Marsden, numbers one through two and five Jason through six. Jason Marsden? Yeah, I think he, he plays Sonic the Hedgehog. That I don't know, but I know he did the voice of um, Goofy's son in the Goofy movie. Uh, I know that much. I remember that back from back in the day. Uh, let's see. Anna Ortiz was in number two and number four. Corey Burton, a prolific voice actor, by the way. This dude has been in, like, look, look at his IMDb sometime. Like, hundreds and hundreds of cartoons, movies, like, you know, and often he'll do little small parts. Uh, he doesn't doesn't do a big part too often, um, but yeah, you see him all over the place. Rob Paulson as well, another prolific voice actor. He's in numbers two and then four through five. Jim Meskimen, Gary Durden, Pat Music, Andrea Romano appears in vignettes number two and six. Will Friedel, Kevin Michael Richardson, Brian George, Parmendo Nagra, and David McCollum. So, just a little background of how, I'm trying to remember the sequence of when I first saw this film. Now, as you mentioned, Will, like it, it takes place in between, uh, so it's, it's actually canonical, believe it or not, for the Nolan films, uh, which is interesting. Believe it or don't. Yeah, because I don't think they've done that. Copyright. <laughs> with um, with anything else where they they have an animated film that I suppose the Animatrix would be similar because it's considered canonical within the Matrix universe. Oh, really? I didn't also, know that. I think. Hmm. I mean, it just it fleshes out the universe more. I admit I haven't um, seen the Animatrix. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, you should check it out. It uh, it will remind you of this, and and they were made close together, obviously both by Warner Brothers or both with the involvement of Warner Brothers, so probably. I would imagine this one got greenlit in part um, because of the Animatrix, although I, cool, I may cool. be wrong about that. That's it was a really thing. decent film. This anthology, I mean, it's a really decent anthology. Yeah. No, I, I remember thoroughly enjoying it back when it first came out. And I had a happy surprise. Like, I wasn't expecting this, but I was looking um, at McKay's 
for another uh, Batman graphic novel, looking for something to grab my attention, and I saw Batman Black and White, and as I was perusing through it, which, this is a really cool graphic novel, by the way, because as, as the title would suggest, it's done in black and white, and it's, it's similar, which is probably the reason they included Gotham Knight with it, is that that was a surprise, like in the back, there was a copy of both the DVD and the Blu-ray of Batman Gothic Knight, but black and white is similar in that um, there are different artists and writers, um, so like each story has a different comic book artist and writer, uh, so different art styles throughout the book. Really good, highly recommended by the way. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so that's how I, I got this particular copy, but I think I did own a copy, oh no that's right, I owned it on iTunes back in the day. Oh. Back on my old account, which I have lost, sadly. So I hadn't watched it in a long time. And I think, Willie, you said you had not seen it in a long time either, right? If you've seen Richard's iTunes, please call this number. I'm curious. <laughs> I put yeah. a bit of content on that, too. That, that was like when I first got an iPod. Um, I don't know if you remember that. Like I got the, one of the, not the earliest generation, but when they started getting a little bigger, like the first ones where you could watch like a, a full like TV show on it, and uh, yeah, I had one of those suckers. And uh, I think you had some Batman Black and White animatics or something on there too. Yeah, it was like animated comic. Yeah. Um, really well done by the way. The music and the narration, the voices were really well done. I, I want to find that again at some point because that was really good. But yeah, I, I have seen had seen Gotham Knights a long time ago. Gotham Knight. Knight. The Gotham not Knights be, is, is something different. <laughs> yes, not to be confused with the video game or the CW show that may be canceled. Which I have not seen any of it. You have you? No. Okay, I haven't either. Heard of it. Anyway, so you saw it. I don't think I saw it. It looks like it was released the same summer as The Dark Knight, so um. most likely I saw it after. Um, I know I saw The Dark Knight like four times in theaters, because um, yeah, it was so good. But uh, do you remember if you saw it back around that time yourself? I probably did, uh, back when it was new. I think I enjoyed it a lot more this time through and understood it better. Yeah, I think so too. And and having having read, which I, I must have picked up on it the first time around, but but having read beforehand from Wikipedia uh, that this is actually canonical and it takes place in between Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, um, I was looking for connections, and they're definitely in there. Like <clears throat> even down to like um, one of the vignettes, you know, takes place. Um, Part of it takes place in the Narrows, you know, which you features prominently towards the end of Batman Begins, oh. where Dr. Crane has released his poison gas, widespread panic, all the inmates of Arkham, is it Arkham, I think, are let loose, and things get a bit crazy. <laughs> so, but yeah, part of the, one of the vignettes takes place near there and, and in that, so that's cool. Do you have anything else you wanted to say before we... Jump in and start talking about the segments. No, I think I'm ready. ready. Well, cool. All right, so segment number one. 
titled How I Got a Story for You. This one was animated or produced by Studio 4 Degrees Celsius. And it's written by Josh Olson. And let's see, does it specify who directed it? It does not. So, so it doesn't specify that. So um, I'm going to rewind a little bit and just mention the direct. Okay, here we go. Uh, we have to go back to a different section here. This is directed by Shohiro Nishimi for Studio 4 Degrees Celsius, or 4C, however they prefer to say that. So to kind of set it up, like a, a street kid meets his, his three friends at a skate park, and um, his three friends have all had an encounter with Batman that day, so they are telling their story, and it, like each story... They, they feel like they have to one-up themselves, so each one of them gets a little bit more legendary and a little bit more mythical. You know, each one of them adds, like, a, a fantastic element and, a, and a, an exaggeration of reality. And I liked it. I thought it was really yeah. cool because that kind of evokes, like, the, the, the mythos of Batman, the, the legendary character, the ideas of, like, him being a symbol and, and people telling stories around that. And, uh, but then it you know, the end of the segment, the the one character who hasn't had an encounter gets to encounter the real Batman and actually gets to help him, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, that's how the the first segment goes. So, what uh, what did you like or or and or didn't like about it? Well, it's very reminiscent of uh, at least one ep- episode of the Batman animated series, which did, had a similar plot uh, of stories of oh I think Batman's like this I think Batman's like that um, this one draws from I, and I'm pretty sure it does draw from some comic book um, interpretations of Batman for example uh, the first kid's depiction of Batman seems to draw from the comics where Batman is a vampire well, I, I think the first kid is like the living shadow. I think I wrote right. it down. Yeah, so he's like a shadow, like disappears almost into the ground and like moves well, along the ground, and then pops back up. Maybe I was looking too far into it, but I thought maybe, I thought maybe it drew inspiration from some of the comic book uh, interpretations. Well, his face does look a little more bat-like yeah. with the first kid, um, but then the second kid is the one that he, he's like legit a flying bat. Um, so he looks almost like full bat, like or he man, like the Mothman. Like, uh, yeah, exactly, the Mothman. It's funny. I was just watching a documentary about the Mothman <laughs> yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. Um, but yeah, the Mothman, or like a, a little more twisted version of of the Man Bat from, right. from the animated series. Um, although he's like all black, uh, so pretty creepy. And then the was it the third one? He essentially is seen as a robot. It's like he's a, you all don't know what Batman really is. Like he's a yeah he's a robot. <laughs> I was starting to uh, try to figure out if that was based on Frank Miller's depiction where he's in the big suit fighting Superman. But then I decided no, I'm really just looking too far into this now. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it was more of just like the. The producer, the director, where it was like, it's like, this kid decides to 
You know, because his like his his movements are so precise, and it's like, why wouldn't you think at some point it's like, oh, maybe he's a robot. <laughs> but, true. True. Well, you mentioned something, which I couldn't quite tell. So, but you mentioned something like when when the first villain in that one appears. Um, you raised the question of like, is this connected to the League of Shadows? Yeah, I was just trying to figure out who that villain is. It is is it a character from the comics? Is it? I mean, I, I the, my first thought was it's connected to Batman Begins, but but we did end up seeing some other uh, villains from the comics, so I wasn't sure. They did. Uh, okay, when they unmask him, is that the same guy that? In the second Vignette, is that the same guy that uh, Batman brings to uh, Commissioner Gordon, or is that a completely different character? Because hmm. I think they do mention his name, the second Vignette, but I'm not sure if that's the same guy or not. I assume it is, but... It's a good question. I actually don't know, because I, I don't, they don't ever mention his name in the... Actually, he doesn't get him unmasked in the first one. I don't think he unmasked no, the villain. No, not in the first one. I guess it just depends on whether or not there's a connection between that uh, robber, rooftop robber, and the uh, long-haired guy that Batman brings to Gordon in the second Vignette. I'm not really sure if it's the same character or if it's completely unrelated. I don't think so. Okay. I think they're I think they're different. Um, yeah, because the second character, he, he's like a, what they call him, the tech, not technocrat, but like, um, he had worked for the Russian mob, but like, actually no. Huh. Yeah, I'm not sure now. Um, but no, it, since since the first guy never gets a mask, you don't really know. But yeah, his dress, you know, because he's all black and he's wearing goggles, it's like... yeah somewhat ninja-like, which, you know, the League of Shadows had a little bit of that going on, at least when they were up at the training facility and stuff, like, um, although they had body armor on top of, like, the, I don't know if real ninjas had have body armor, do you know? If and well, when I think they have some chain mail under their kimono, but that might just, I'm not sure if that's historical or if that's just a manga anime artistic liberty were there real ninjas that's another question like you would I'm assuming you would know that well yeah there were there were were real ninjas I mean they didn't uh, they used sleight of hand tech tricks they didn't use magic like in anime manga but yeah like well so like they have their own mythos and legends you know that have sprung up Um, if if they had armor it would have been very lightweight. Uh, yeah, because they underneath need, their need to be able to move clothing. quickly and with yeah. agility. Makes sense. Um, it's been a long time since I've studied. So it could be this is just like a generic ninja character, or it might just be more of it's just a generic bad guy, and this is yeah. how the kids pictured him, perhaps. Or he was just wearing black to cover himself up although he does try to rob people in the middle of the day yeah, when that happened so <laughs> that was kind of dumb actually yeah I mean Greg where was that I mean 
he was trying to rob them at the top of a skyscraper. So it was like, where are they going to go? So, of course, then, where is he going to go? Is he yeah. going to... Maybe he has a parachute. <laughs> but it didn't get that far because Batman catches up with him. Dressed all in black during the day is almost as bad as Naruto dressed in bright orange. <laughs> I don't care what time of the day it is. You're bright orange, kid. <laughs> I have a prison jumpsuit. Oh! <laughs> So yeah, so I I thought this segment was a cool beginning because it because it does kind of it starts with that that mythos you know that you know, the, the legend of the bat, um, which I think it's talked about in the comics and throughout the series is that it's something that can be carried on. It doesn't have to be carried by Bruce himself. You know, he could die and someone else could carry on the mantle, so to speak, because it's a symbol and it you know it's. It's not just Bruce Wayne. It's it's bigger than him. Um, See, so yeah, I, I liked that. So, segment one, have I got a story for you? Thumbs up or thumbs down? I liked it. You know, um, I think it was the most stylistic animation style of the whole um, anthology. It was a lot of fun to look at. I just had an idea. Since we're nerds, you know, nerds are known for like, not that I'm, or we like using point? computers instead of two thumbs up, you know, because that's probably copyrighted. <laughs> Is it copyrighted? I, it might be, I don't know, or trademarked maybe. Might be trademarked. This we'll do uh, maybe? two index fingers up. So. What? <laughs> two index, you know, because I'm not going to do this, you know. <laughs> that happened. It did. Saw it. Yeah. Yeah, Unless you're for the, <laughs> yeah, for the video viewers, <laughs> I just uh, flipped off the camera. <laughs> so, anyway, on to segment two, Crossfire. So, Crossfire, and by the way, our, our main source for this, as typical, is from Wikipedia, which they get their info from usually quite a few other references and sources. This one was written by Greg Rucka, who also was... Actually, no, he was not involved with Batman Begins, but Greg Rucka wrote um, a novel that I really like, Batman No Man's Land, um, which I highly recommend. If you ever, I need to get my hands on it again at some point, but yeah, yeah if you get a chance to pick it up, a copy of that, do so. And he's, he's been involved in quite a bit of writing for DC Comics as well. Uh, so this is animated by Production IG... And directed by Fotoshi Higashide. Higashide. However you say that. So with this one, we get introduced to... Um, they call him here Crispus Allen. Um, Ramirez refers to him as Chris Allen. Uh, um, were you familiar with his character at all? Did that ring bells for you? Uh, it did for me. No, I assume he must be in the Dark Knight trilogy, but is he in the Dark Knight trilogy? I don't think he I don't think he makes an appearance in there. I'm trying to think if I've Hmm. I know I've read a story where he figures prominently. I don't think I have it with me. Um But he later uh, at, least, at least within certain iterations, he later dies and becomes a, a different character, uh, which this this might say 
By the way, the Spectre. He becomes the Spectre. Huh. Yeah, like after his death. Um, so I, I read another. The Green Spectre. I think he's just called the Spectre. But no, I mean with the green costume, that Spectre. Possibly. Um, but no, I just I, when I saw him, I was like, oh. But yeah, but he's, I don't think he's in either Batman Begins or The Dark Knight, so it's interesting. Um, and he doesn't die within the course of of this these segments. So yeah, maybe he just dies before The Dark Knight, because he's not working with Ramirez in The Dark Knight. No. Um, so maybe that he died before that. But anyway, but he at some point becomes Spectre. So I recognized the name. I was like, oh. Yeah, Crispus Allen. Um, but we start with, like, with, with this segment, and we start with, I think it starts on his face, and he's he's sitting there kind of angry and, and watching what's going on in Jim Gordon's office he knows the Batman's in there Ramirez comes up and he's like he's in there again you know and we get the pretty quickly feel that Christmas Chris Allen doesn't like Batman um, he thinks he's just a vigilante you know he's abusing you know he shouldn't be allowed to do what he's doing um, but we find out throughout the course of the segment that Chris also recently transferred like he's not originally from Gotham he didn't grow up in Gotham uh. like Ramirez does so she defends the Batman. She's like, like, hey, I know he's changed things for the better. You know, I've seen it because I grew up here. I knew what it's been like, and he's changing things. She's like, um, whereas he's still very suspicious of the Batman. But they, they are given a prisoner, which Batman has caught for them, and then they have to then transport him to, I believe it's Arkham. Arkham Island, I guess, at that point. Um, but as they're coming back, they get caught in the crossfire between um, the Russian and his gang, or mob, I guess, and Sal Maroni and his cohorts, and they're trying to kill each other, basically. And Ramirez and Alan get caught in the middle. I don't remember. Was Sal uh, Maroni uh, in the live-action Dark Knight trilogy? Because I definitely know he figures heavily in the comics and the animated series. Well, yeah, he's in. Series. He's in the Dark Knight, I believe. Like. Oh, cool. Um. He's uh, you know, he's the guy that Batman drops off the drops off the ledge and he like breaks his foot and later on like um he gets shot and killed by Two Face. Oh, uh, okay. And um. Yeah, like. I forget the name of the actor who plays him. Um, it's not he. He look. He reminds me of Peter Coyote, but it's not Peter Coyote. It's somebody else. But um, yeah, I believe he is in in the in the Dark Knight. But I don't think he makes an appearance in the final film. Oh yeah, because he's dead. <laughs> right. Yeah, Two Face kills him as part of his streak of vengeance. But yeah, but he does. I think he gets I think he gets mentioned I want to say he gets mentioned in the Batman Begins but he doesn't make an appearance because um, Carmine Falcone is the main right. gangster in, in that one um, what do you think of the uh, animation style 
for the second segment. It was interesting. I liked it. Um, it wasn't as fun to look at, in, in my opinion, you know, since I'm a cartoonist, I, I go for more cartoony things. Uh, it wasn't as interesting to me visually as the first uh, segment, but uh, um, I am curious what other anime or animations each of these studios has worked on. Um, well, let's take a look at Production IG real quick, just as an example. So they did the second one, right? Yeah. So Production IG Incorporated is a Japanese animation studio and production enterprise founded in 1987 by Mitsuhisa Ishikawa and is headquartered in Mushashino, Tokyo, Japan. I feel like some of the more realistic animation styles in this anthology uh, might have been by studios that did some pretty famous things. Television series Zillion, Blue Seed, Papa Lacroix, Monogatari, Metabots Tamashi, Vampire Kids, Parappa the Rapper, Ghost. Uh, Parappa the Rapper. Oh, here we go. Ghost in the Shell, standalone complex. Yes, Ghost in the Shell. So that that's, would be that's pretty big. Pretty least, big. I mean, I even I know what it is, so that that tells you it's. <laughs> Parappa the Rapper um, was a PlayStation video game, by the way. Yeah, they also have been involved in video games. Cool, uh, Marty cool, cool, High cool. School, Windy Tales, Otogi Joshi. I'm not seeing anything else I recognize, but that's that's a big one there that I that I have heard of. Ghost in the Shell Arise, Alternative Architecture is 2015, Joker Game. Here we go, Psychopaths Three, yep. True Cooking Master Boy. And uh, I did recognize. Studio 4C's animation style. They did Teco, Tekon Kincrete, which I used to own. Is that a uh, TV show, movie, video game? Oh, it's a movie. Movie. Um, two boys involved the Yakuza. I forget. Okay. Yeah, and that, that's one of the cool things about about this film is that each segment is done by a different animation director, so you have a unique animation style. I found that really interesting um, back when I first watched it, so I like that. And so yeah, with with Crossfire, like they get caught in the middle, and then of course Batman comes and saves what's left of the day like most of the mob people there are already dead but he comes in and prevents any further bloodshed and saves Chris Allen's life uh, which obviously the beginning of maybe some trust being built there um, and then we get I think then he he knows of Ramirez you know they talk briefly there at the end he's like it's like you're on Jim Gordon's team right MCU like he's a good judge of character and he leaves so it's like Batman like gives her a compliment which I thought was kind of cool yeah. a Batman a Batman compliment <laughs> by the way speaking of Batman talking uh, in the, this uh, anthology 
obviously we're really big fans of Kevin Conroy, but that's not what Batman sounds like in the Dark Knight trilogy. How do you feel about the disconnect uh, since we don't have the heavy smoker Batman? <laughs> <laughs> well, I loved that. I mean, Kevin Conroy will always be my Batman, I think. Um, I mean, I've certainly enjoyed other performances, but he's my Batman. Um, so I, I love that he um, got involved in, yeah, in, in the film. So I didn't really care. Christian Bale probably wouldn't have wanted to do it anyway. Um, but I didn't. Although I could be wrong. But um, he has done some. That's right. He did the English dub for uh, Howl's Moving Castle. Or wait. He did? Did he even, did he even have a dub? Yeah, it had a dub. I mean, was it written to be in English or was it was that a dub? Anyway, he did. He voiced the um, the dub version, I guess. Yeah. Um, he did the main character, Hal, I guess. I'm assuming cool. it's Hal. Um, so he has done some anime. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe they didn't ask him. Maybe it was just more like animated Batman is Kevin Conroy's gig. Well, Bruce Tim was the executive producer, so he may have been biased. Oh, yeah. And Andrea <laughs> Romano, obviously, is the voice voicing director, yeah. the, the voice caster. And, you know... That Kevin Carmoy's her boy, you know what I mean? So, so yeah, that's. Uh, uh, well, personally, I prefer Kevin Conroy over Christian Bale, anyway. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, same here. Like, the whole like. Swear to me. Swear to me. I felt a little bad for Christian Bale because like, <laughs> he was trying to do something different. It's definitely distinctive and memorable for sure, which maybe yeah. that's its own merit in some ways. But, um, then he was stuck with it after doing it in the first film. You know whether. So if he had second thoughts, it was too late yeah. <laughs> at that point. He had to continue it um, throughout the trilogy. But that's one thing, though. Uh, people don't forget it. So yeah, you know, if you want to just if you want to be remembered, that's the way to do it. Well, let's uh, let's move on to the next segment here. Uh, field test. So field test was written by Jordan Goldberg. And animated by B Train. So let's see. Just checking out B Train to see if there's anything I recognize that they've worked on. Again, I'm not an anime aficionado, so. And. I don't see anything that I recognize, so. Nothing huge. At least. Yeah, huge enough to catch my attention. Um, let's see. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to read a bit of the summary from Wikipedia. An accident involving a new Wanecom satellite's gyroscopic electromagnetic guidance system gives Lucius Fox an idea to create a device with the satellite's gyro with an advanced sound sensor that will electromagnetically deflect small arms fire. Oh, and... Sorry, not to uh, backtrack, but uh, they did Arc the Lad... And the dot hex slash series. Um, Are those pretty well known in within the anime community? Blade of the Immortal. Anyway, um, I would think so. I've definitely heard of them anyway. But uh, moving on. Yeah. Well. Here's what we definitely got another uh, tie-in to um, 
uh, Batman Begins here is a uh, we get Lucius Fox, uh, not voiced by Morgan Freeman, obviously voiced by Kevin, right. Kevin Michael Richardson instead. Um, but it was cool to see some communication between him and Bruce, and and I liked like um, it felt similar to kind of the banter that went back and forth between the two of them in Batman Begins, and and the rest of the trilogy too. You know where Lucius Fox is, you know, kind of coyly pretending not to know coyly. you know and Bruce is kind of coyly pretending you know not to be Batman even though both of them know and yeah, they're both standing by the Batmobile y- yeah <laughs> so um, I thought that was fun though I, th- I like yeah. that because that, that that dynamic was in the in the, fr- in the other films too so um, Bruce Wayne we have Kevin Conroy uh voicing Bruce Wayne and as we all know his voice changes when he's Bruce Wayne but did you think that he was doing his normal Bruce Wayne or do you think he he actually made this Bruce Wayne sound a little younger it did sound a little younger I and, thought so and too. It, it sounded it was a little different too it was like a little lighter touch on it I felt like um, than, than at least in the animated series Bruce Wayne so it did seem like he was trying to change it up a little bit because um, Bruce Wayne is, is essentially Kevin Conroy's it's very similar to Kevin Conroy's normal voice from like the early 90s like if you like when we saw him on Cheers and whatnot yeah. you heard him I was like oh it's Bruce Wayne you know that's closer to his regular voice um, but yeah it, it did seem like he was deliberately and and um, obviously he's supposed to be younger here I mean he's I guess he'd be 27 something like that 26 thereabouts because he left when he was 19 or 20 yeah and then was gone for what seven years and then came back so this is taking place maybe when he's 27 28 somewhere thereabouts um but guys we're gonna pause for a minute one of my kids needs something Hello nerds, this is Alfred Pennyworth. I want to take a moment to talk to you about the Revent Nerds podcast. If you can, you should support it. Go to anchor.fm forward slash irreverent nerds, click on the support button. You can support them for 99 cents a month, 4.99 a month, or 9.99 a month. And if you support them for 9.99 a month, Bruce Wayne himself will come and give you a hug and a kiss. You can count on it. (laughs) You could also get in touch with them. That's another way you can let them know that you support them. Tell them what you think of their episode. On Spotify, you can participate in polls. You can give comments. You can also comment on the YouTube channel, on Instagram. DM them on Instagram. Follow them on Instagram. All of these things are ways that you can let them know that you care and that you support their work so pick one of them (laughs) they would greatly appreciate it now back to the show and we're back so we were talking about Bruce Wayne and how he sounded younger 
I thought he also looked younger in this particular animation style. I, I think I wrote a note. Uh, this is Pretty Boy Bruce. <laughs> pretty Boy Bruce. It's kind of got that anime Pretty Boy look that certain styles yeah. use. Which, uh, this one's done by well by B Train. But yeah, it definitely reminded me of some other <clears throat> animes that I've seen. Um, yeah, that kind of the the floppy hair, you know, the mess messy hair you know they look like they're out of a korean boy band or something you know like, <laughs> yeah. um well maybe not but i wonder if that's a popular hairstyle in japan or if it's just animation. popular with anime i don't know it's a good question i have noticed that a lot of a lot of the anime characters even when they're supposed to be japanese look kind of american sometimes it's interesting that that one's probably just an artistic liberty yeah yeah All right, well, so with that one, like he con- continues his involvement in this in the field test vignette uh, with interfering with the Russian and Maroni, and they're fighting over like who who controls what, like one, and he basically settles it for them. He's like, "You will make a choice. Like you're gonna get the docks, and you're gonna get this. You know, until I find something on you, I can put you away." Basically, it's like. And um, and this like he has that device that Lucius Fox made from where the it literally like causes the bullets to ricochet off of him, you know, so they like further. <sighs> Excuse me, heightens his mythos. Although one person accidentally gets shot as a result of it, so uh-huh. then he decides not to keep it, which I thought I was like ah oh, okay. She's like, I'm going to risk my life. No one else's. Interesting. I definitely like... Uh, Which doesn't really fit, because he's like driving over cop cars and stuff in Batman Begins. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. But he does get called out for that by, was it Alfred? Or... And he does... Uh, I. This is completely off topic, because we're not talking about Batman Begins, we're talking about Gotham Knight, but I've always had an issue with him being like, I don't have to, I can't kill you, but I don't have to save you. <laughs> Jumping off the train. <laughs> no, oh, Batman, you Ross killed him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Semantics. <laughs> semantics. Semantics, <laughs> semantics. But did he really kill him? Nah. Probably. He doesn't come back. Oh. Other than a vision. Alright, so let's move on to vignette number four In Darkness Dwells. This one was written by David S. Goyer, who also Mm. wrote for all three of the Nolan films and is animated by Madhouse. You want to take a look at Madhouse, see if you recognize anything they've worked on while I talk a bit about what happens in this? Um, so there's a riot in a cathedral where Cardinal O'Fallon was giving a sermon according to eyewitness testimony the Cardinal was abducted by a large monster and taken down into the crypts below the cathedral so Batman's going in there to try and save the day basically and in the process he runs into Killer Croc who he finds out is like pump full of of scarecrow's fear toxin 
Croc bites Batman and Batman thus gets infected with the fear toxin um, but he's able to work through it. He's, he's experienced it before but he finds Scarecrow it, it's a really interesting scene because like the crypt is massive it almost looks like a cathedral itself but a cathedral of death and Scarecrow there has amassed a, a group of um, Arkham Asylum escapees and homeless people almost like a cult leader in a sense um, using fear you know so I thought maybe somewhat ironic he then for some reason abducts a cardinal like a, a Catholic cardinal um, wasn't completely clear why he did that <sighs> but regardless Batman comes and then is able to save the cardinal from from harm but this one like the animation style with this one was definitely more exaggerated I felt like yeah um, did you see anything else do you recognize that Madhouse has done? Oh yeah, yeah. They've done Hunter X Hunter. Uh, they've done Vampire Hunter D, Card Capture Secura, uh, Metropolis, Ninja Scroll. Um, they they worked on the Animatrix. They did a few uh, Marvel animations like Iron Man and uh, Avengers Confidential. Um, so they they worked on quite a few things. I'm sure. I'm sure some of this stuff is. Uh, I've definitely heard of all those things I listed. I'm sure that they've done more things that really hardcore anime lovers will recognize, more so than me. I imagine their work on the Animatrix is probably part of what got them this gig. Uh, that that makes sense. Uh, I'm just imagining that it would be, given that this is also Warner Brothers production. Um, but yeah, I thought particularly their animation of Killer Croc, you know, was very exaggerated. Like he, he almost, he almost looked a bit like that. Which I don't know if this, this was deliberate in any way, but a bit like that uh, very creepy character that lives in the sewers in that one X Files episode so creepy it's like this giant leech almost but it's it's an it's like a anthropomorphic leech <laughs> oh my goodness one of the creepiest x-files episodes ever um but his mouth reminded me of that it was almost like this big oval almost like a like you you waiting for him to like suck out your brains or something instead of biting you um I have to correct myself because if I don't, the anime lovers will. Uh, it's not Hunter X Hunter. The X is silent. I was been previously corrected on this. So just, it's just Hunter Hunter. 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 Yeah, <laughs> Hunter Hunter. Because that makes sense. Why put the X in there? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, interesting. Corey Burton did Doctor Jonathan Crane, but she doesn't talk a whole lot in. Uh, in there Rob Polson plays Mole Man <laughs> Rob Polson his name is familiar he um he did Chucky's dad on Rugrats if that oh, rings a bell like, cool, um, cool, cool, but he's cool. also 
He's been in a lot of other things. I think he was in Jimmy Neutron. I think he played, he played where, Carl in Jimmy Neutron. Yeah, I think that's where I, I'm recognizing his name from. Is Jimmy Neutron. Yeah, and, and he's done a lot of other things too. He's, he's pretty prolific. Oh. And while you're looking at that, I figured out the Marsden situation. James Marsden plays in the Sonic movies. Jason Marsden plays Silver the Hedgehog. Sonic's uh, marijuana leaf-headed cousin. <laughs> ah, so both Marsdens have been involved in the Sonic franchises at different points. Huh. Okay. The Sonic fans will understand the joke I just made. Oh. I guess I'm not a big enough Sonic fan. I played it a lot growing up, but I, yeah, I don't get the joke. Silver the Hedgehog's has quills in the shape of a marijuana leaf on his head. Oh. <laughs> okay. Is that from one of the TV series? No, that's from a an awful 2006 video game. Oh. Uh, yeah, see, I didn't play much past the 90s, so... Um, yeah. You were spared. I played a lot in Sega Genesis, like Sonic the Hedgehog 2, 3, Sonic and Knuckles, and obviously the original as well, like... Um, a little bit of Sonic Spinball can do without that. <laughs> My sisters liked it. <laughs> All right, uh, we're getting a little long on time, so let's let's move on to the next vignette. Uh, okay. Oh yeah, it does kind of look like a marijuana leaf. Yeah. Like a. <laughs> I'll never leave that or one. Or not a marijuana. Uh, cannabis. Cannabis. That's it. Uh, let's see, the next one is working through pain. This one is written by Brian Azzarello and animated by Studio 4C, or 4 degrees Celsius. So I liked I liked how you I liked the narrative structure in this one, where you had the the foreground where, and I think I don't know if it was meant to be the in, an injury from the previous segment. It seemed like it was different. He got. Yeah, looked like he got stabbed. Uh, he was either stabbed or shot. And at one point, he cauterizes the wound, and he's like working through pain, trying to trying to get to a point where Alfred can pick him up. Yeah, I was confused about the wound. It seemed like the wound moved. I thought Killer Croc bit his shoulder, but maybe he sustained a new wound in the. Yeah, I think this is different. Like yeah. I think this, and he doesn't have the fear toxin in him, so this is probably just a different different day. Uh, different, different event. Um, a different day. Yeah, I don't think it's meant to be, like, no. continuous in that sense. Um, uh, chronologically, it happened after probably, but like, it might have been like weeks after. Um, they don't really he say. He was lost in the sewers for weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, he, he's. I think he ends up in the sewers quite often. Like, but yeah, that was a little confusing at first because like, is it supposed to be continuing from the other story? But then you're like, no, doesn't quite fit. Um, but he um, he has flashbacks like as he's struggling through the pain and walking he has flashbacks to um, the the seven years I think where he was training abroad and looking for wisdom and looking to learn things um, so he goes to they don't really say what country it is uh, I don't know if fakirs are a real thing or if that was made up um, I feel like it's real, but... Let's see. 
fakir. Or it's based on something that's real. Okay, it's an Islamic term traditionally used for Sufi Muslim ascetics who renounce their worldly possessions and dedicate their lives to the worship of God. They do not necessarily renounce all relationships and take vows of poverty. Some may be poor and some may even be wealthy, but the adornments of the temporal worldly life are kept in perspective and do not detract from their constant dedication to God. So he's... Um, He's on. Um, he's in the Middle East, uh, volunteering with the Red Cross, but he's also there to learn from the fakirs and, in particular, how they manage pain. So I guess these are the people who, like lie on beds of nails and stuff like that, like right. ascetics, and like chain themselves. So then he he's rejected by the official group, the fakirs, because he was they they claimed which. Seems to be true. Like he was dishonest about his true intentions. Right. You know. He was not seeking uh, enlightenment, or at least not the type of enlightenment that they right. were thinking of. He was not seeking religious enlightenment. It's like no, he wanted to be able to manage yeah. pain so that he could fight better. Um, which by the time he, the woman who does train him was a bit of a reject, um, but had learned the fakir way. Um, by the time she realizes that's his real reason, she's like, get out. I have failed you. Um, what do you think of that segment? I, I liked it. I really like it. I've always enjoyed the flashbacks in various uh, Batman uh, stories. Yeah, I thought that was cool. I thought the, that it went back to the period where he was going abroad and, and training and stuff. I thought that was cool. It gives up give us more detail about that but no it makes sense that he would he would seek help with that like given what he was thinking of doing like it just it just made sense I think I wrote something down that she said was it pain doesn't work for you you work through pain uh. and um so yeah, he, he learns how to how to manage both exterior and interior pain. Although she realizes she can't help him with the the deeper pain, you know, which obviously comes from the death of his parents. And uh, I think that takes us to our final vignette. Uh, do you have anything more to say about that one before we move on? Not about the anthology itself, just in general. It's been explored before that if Batman ever were to be able to, to find healing from his parents' death, death, he would no longer be Batman. I just felt like bringing that up. It's a very uh, interesting point. Yeah, I think that makes I think that makes sense. Um, yeah, I think he says towards the end of the the next segment, the final segment, to Alfred, you know, it seems like I've been trying to stop those two bullets all my life. Yeah. You know, like just willing himself back in time to stop that. And so it's like and that's one of the one of the features of trauma. I mean, obviously, you know, ten year old boy sees his parents gone down. It's gonna be like severe PTSD. And 
one of the aspects of trauma is that when you experience something horrible like that and you, you're powerless to stop it, you know, whether that's you're physically being restrained or whether that's just you, you don't have the ability to stop the, what's happening, you're stuck in a sense. So you, you can you know, remain stuck in that the rest of your life in some sense and there are going to be things that trigger you and like pull you back into memories of the trauma and you're like literally reliving what happened and your body mimics many of the same physiological symptoms that you had uh, when you were first going through it so it's like you uh, the memories can be very visceral as well but for him it, it seems like the way he which he says to her is like I manage it you know I manage the internal and for him like one of the ways he does that is eventually by becoming Batman so yeah so yeah, I think I agree with what you said that if if you were to ever really heal from it he wouldn't be Batman anymore the final segment is called Deadshot was written by Alan Burnett and animated by Madhouse. So it looks like Studio 4C and Madhouse both had repeats. They each did two of the segments. Oh, and this one, there is a through line here where, like, the end of the last one, the working through pain, he finds, like, a bunch of guns. Yeah that have been tossed down a drain and it just like hits him you know because of I guess because of what they've been used for or what he imagines they've been used for it's almost like this will never end kind of feeling yeah it seemed like and um so he still has them in the next one and that's kind of used as like a a segue in a sense to, to Deadshot um but yeah what what do you think of this one? Are, are you very familiar with the character Deadshot? I, I know he's he's in the Suicide Squad, right? Yeah. Like these these the um, the Suicide Squad, like the newer one by James Gunn, right? No. Uh, or yeah, is he the is I can't remember. I always get confused. There's two different characters, right? There's there's Deadshot, and then there's another character that's similar. Dead Eye. Blood, <laughs> no, Bloodshot. 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 Blood Eye. Bloodshot. Bloodshot. Bloodshot sounds right. He, I think he's the one in the second Suicide Squad. Right. So it's Deadshot is the one in the first Suicide Squad? I'm pretty sure. Played by Will Smith? Anyway, he's one of those two. Bloodsport. Was it Bloodsport? Blood Bloodshot. Bloodsport sounds right. I think so. That sounds more right. Um, but yeah, Dead, I'm pretty sure Will Smith played uh, Deadshot. Deadshot. Yeah, in the first Suicide Squad. Yeah. But... Um, I'm somewhat familiar with the character. I think that in the anime, uh, they have him looking and dressed a little bit differently. He's more of a gangster. Uh, a, he wears the Italian suit and hat. And that's not something I'm used to him seeing him wear. Yeah, he had a little bit of a kind of like... I, f I feel like he could have worked in a live action... Yeah, I was I was a little disappointed with at least with the way it ended. Um, as you get introduced to him, like he makes this seemingly impossible shot, like while he's moving on a Ferris wheel, 
fires a shot to a building like you know whatever how many yards away thousands yeah. of yards away a kill shot through the head and um I think didn't he kill at least one other person in between I forget but that's like a crazy shot and then he's he um he's hired by people connected to the Russian to take out Batman although you're not told at first that it's Batman right um, there's a little bit of a misdirect in there as in the word gets out on the street that there's a hit that's been put out on Gordon uh, then we find out pretty quickly that that's fake that Deadshot put that out I mean he does take a shot at right. Gordon but he put that out there just to flush out the Batman because his real target is the Batman and I was wondering the whole time how the police even found out about the hit but I think once the misdirect twist is revealed it's pretty obvious that Deadshot wanted the police to know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was done on purpose. But then he goes all stupid. I was like, it's like, he's so good with the rifle. But then as Batman's coming towards him, it's like, why wouldn't you just take another shot with the rifle? Is it, that would go right through Batman's armor, body armor. But instead he pulls out this dinky little, I mean, it's not totally dinky, but like this little wrist gun like wrist like semi-automatic handgun you know which is much less accurate um and starts like spraying bullets at batman you know which most of which bounce off his body armor so it's like didn't make sense it kind of to me it kind of diminished his character a bit like it almost made it too easy for for batman it's called plot armor richard plot armor (laughs) (laughs) um I didn't like that as much. I didn't. I didn't like the way they ended it. Um, it felt a little weak. Um, but it's okay. Um, so I think that that segment was probably my least favorite of the six. Um, primarily for that reason, I think it just doesn't end well. You know, it's right. just his character is weakened by. I agree about that. The way they choose to end it. Yeah. So I thought, I thought it just wasn't as good. I can see how using a sniper rifle wouldn't be the wisest choice in a close-range combat, but but at the same time, your your point is extremely true and valid. I think they did it just so the animators could uh, show that really cool scene where Batman slices his wrist p- pistols in half and... I was reading a bit about the um, reception of this film when it came out. Um, so as of October 2021, the film holds a 75% approval rating of Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, let's see. Looks like it also got reviewed on World's Finest. Not sure what that is, but... Um, film sold over 337,000 copies on DVD in the United States and earned $9,753,000 from domestic home video sales.
Oh, it looks like it was packaged together in some sales packages with episodes from Batman the Animated Series. Oh, really? Cool. And it was 2015 when it got paired with Volume 1 of Batman Black and White. I haven't watched the special features yet. There's Batman and Me, the Bob Kane story, and A Mirror for the Bat. Uh, an audio commentary of the film by Greg Nocek, Dennis O'Neill, and Kevin Conroy. Oh, cool. Apparently this also got a novelization written by Louise Simonson. Released actually before the film did in May of 2008. Oh, that's cool. The bat suit from Field Test is kind of trivia. The bat suit from Field Test appears as an unlockable alternate skin under the name Anime Batman Skin in Batman Arkham Knight. It's cool. originally unlockable by linking WB Play account to the game. Well, which, which skin unlocks, though, because his costume changes in each vignette uh, each segment? Uh, that's the one from Field Test. Field Test, okay. Yeah. You did just say that. <laughs> I did. <laughs> so, yeah, so overall, I think I would give this... Um, I think we have this 4.5 nerd hats. What, what say you, sir? Um, I don't know about the same. Maybe a four out of five. Uh, due to the fact that Kevin Conroy is in it, and um, I almost want to say I like it more than the Dark Knight trilogy uh, films, but. At the same time, I guess that would be irreverent. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are the irreverent nerds. Yes. But, um... I'll have, I'm going to have to watch the Dark Knight trilogy again. It's been a long time. Yeah, I, I haven't watched it all the way through in, in quite some time either. I don't think I've ever... I mean, definitely never in one day, but like I've never sat down within the course of like a week and watched three all three back-to-back-to-back. Yeah. To back to back. I don't know if I've ever done that. I will say that based on my memories of the Dark Knight trilogy I don't really feel like this anime film anthology really fits into it but that's just my opinion maybe I'm wrong well it was an interesting choice like but I guess like I said maybe it was inspired by the Animatrix where you know it expands on the world yeah. of the Matrix the live action but it's just, it's just its own thing as well you know even though it is canonical in a sense um, yeah, and I thought know, it was kind of cool, kind of cool yeah. idea. You know, now that I think about it, the villains are most of the villains are kind of weak in the in this anthology. Uh, we focus mostly just on Batman. I'd have to say that, given that the Dark Knight trilogy, I'm sure is better. I mean, I especially liked uh, the Dark Knight Rises with Bane, but uh, yeah, I thought Tom like Hardy, Bane. Tom Hardy was great. Yeah. I thought. But um, I think the most flushed out villain of this entire anthology would probably was Deadshot, because we actually spent some time with Deadshot to build build it up, uh, the anticipation of him fighting Batman. It's true. But uh, we don't. There's not much build up for Killer Croc. We just you know some yeah. name, some name drops. Yeah, not a lot, and then Scarecrow and then just, he disappears. Scarecrow's already been established by Batman Begins, yeah. so like, 
the Moroni, they kind of just drop him in there. So I don't think he was in Batman Begins. I think he does get mentioned, I think, at yeah. some point. But, um, but yeah, they don't really give a whole lot of context for Moroni either. <sighs> so I really me. love Kevin Conroy's performance yet again. Uh, but but maybe because this film was split up in segments, maybe that hurts the writing somewhat to make it more cohesive. Yeah, that is, you know, you gotta enjoy it for what it is. I mean, yeah. with the with the each some some interconnectedness, but you know, the unique vignettes like or episodes. It's almost like little little episodes of of a TV series, in a sense. Um, but yeah. Yeah, you don't have a single narrative arc, if you will, story arc that continues throughout. Um, somewhat, yeah, but somewhat, but but yeah, it's different. Well, uh, I think we've gone on long enough. <laughs> um, you can tell we both like Batman, and uh, as a subject we've come back to quite a few times over the course of our podcast, and I'm sure we will again. Uh, sadly, I did hear recently that the sequel to The Batman, you know, Matt Reeves' The Batman, isn't yeah. coming out until 2025. Oh, well... I was like, damn it! At least it's coming out. At least it's coming, yes. But I would have loved for it to have been uh, next year, or even this this year, like December or something, you know, but I guess that's hoping for a little too much, especially with the big changing of the guard that's happening right yeah. now at DC studios i heard recently i think i sent you the web link for the article but uh james gunn had them reshoot the ending of the flash because they're not using a lot of those actors anymore and actresses hmm could be uh, or reshoot it with different actors maybe yeah but um yeah i'm looking forward to that film is it it's coming in march right yeah i think a lot of uh, a lot of changes coming to the DCEU, DCU, whatever it's called now. Yeah, like even even a Swamp Thing movie apparently. Which I imagine our friend Dan Johnson will appreciate. He just seems like someone that would like the Swamp Thing. Probably. Um, seems like up his alley. I think I've we'll to mentioned it. I think even I think <laughs> for some for some reason I um I just had a flashback to this really old Disney. Um, live action show from like the 60s that Leslie Nielsen was in called Swamp Fox yeah it's based on a true life character Francis Marion but the theme was like Swamp Fox Swamp Fox da 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 so for some reason I'm like I've never my seen brain this. my brain was like Swamp Thing Swamp Thing you have to do it now someone on YouTube has to animate this See, I'd have to come up with some some lyrics. Swamp thing, swamp thing, hiding in the swamp. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting what the braid does. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, guys, it's late on a Thursday. We're gonna wrap this up. We need to go to bed. Uh, you guys won't hear this until next Wednesday, obviously. But thank you for joining us uh, for this week's episode. And as we sat down and combined two of our loves, uh, anime and Batman. So, 
Live long and prosper, nerds. We will see you next time. Same bat channel, same bat time. Same bat channel. Robin. I think it's time to go. Holy ending, Batman. <laughs> one of my favorite, one of the ones I always remember. Holy cookbook, Batman. It's the episode where they had a giant cookbook. <laughs> um, I, think the, I don't know if it's the Riddler or the Mad Hatter that they made it. But it's like, he just comes up and he's like, Holy cookbook, Batman. I have no idea. It doesn't really sound like either one's a mo. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it might have been like an evil chef or something. <laughs> it probably was. Uh, the baker and his evil, evil uh, dozen. Evil dozen. Oh yeah. yeah, the dirty, the baker and his dirty dozen. Yeah. Yep. All right, guys, we're out of here. Peace. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of the Irreverent Nerds Podcast. And a special thank you to Will and Richard for coming back again. <laughs> yeah, no guests this week, but that's okay. We had a good time. And next week, Will and I will be back once again for the movie of the month review. This time, it is Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. So don't miss our review coming next week. In the meantime, if you'd like to get in touch with us, our Instagram handle is at irreverent underscore nerds. Please give us a follow there. You can also DM us if you want to let us know what you think of our episodes, give us ideas for future episodes, or even ask whether you can be a guest on the podcast. Why not? Just get in touch with us there. Uh, you can also leave us a voice message, which we will include on the following week's episode. You can do that by going to our anchor.fm profile. It's anchor.fm forward slash irreverent nerd right there on the front page. There's a button that says message. Click on that and you can leave us a voice message. You can also support us from that same page for as little as 99 cents a month. There's also a $4.99 I can't speak. $4.99 a month and a $9.99 a month. Okay. $9.99 a month tiers. You get the idea. You can support us there, and we'd be very grateful uh, if you would do that. Thanks again to our monthly supporter, Lars Desenza. We would love to have more. And eventually, if we get enough, uh, we will transition probably to a subscription format where we will begin having exclusive content for subscribers only. So, hey, there's some incentive, right? You can also... Follow us on Facebook. We have a fan page there, simply called The Irreverent Nerds. And of course, on YouTube, we are now posting regularly. Once a week, we are posting the video version of the previous week's audio episode, putting it up on YouTube. Also, from time to time, I put up some shorts that we've downloaded from our Instagram page. So check us out on YouTube. And of course, subscribe, like, comment really appreciate it until next time nerds have a good day and week and year this is batman signing off <laughs>